Welcome to Invoking Witchcraft, the podcast where the sacred and profane come out to play. So call the quarters and set the round. It's time for another episode. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to Invoking Witchcraft. I am one of your hosts, Jay Allen Cross, also known as at Oregon Wood Witch on Instagram. And I am here with Britton Boyd, also known as Archaic Honey on Instagram. And we have an exciting, fun episode for you today. We're going to be talking about spells, our favorite spells. We have some listener questions and whatnot. But first, I have to tell you about something truly terrible that happened to me this morning. On In an attempt to be eco-friendly, I have switched over to bamboo toothbrushes. And I found out this morning that how they let you know they need to be changed is all the bristles will fall out into your mouth while you're brushing your teeth. What? That That's... was like the worst thing ever this morning. <laughs> I mean, you want a mouthful of bristles, but like not detached bristles. No, not not loose bristles. I no bristles with unauthorized activities inside my mouth. No, it's not. Oh, my goodness. I'm so so sorry. So I put on some flame pants and uh, now the day is better. How are you doing? Wonderful. I'm pretty good. We have moved into a low risk category for COVID in my county, which is fantastic. And that means the gym has opened back up. So along with my spiritual practice, my exercising and body movement practice is like a part of that too. And I haven't been to the gym in like eight months. I've been going crazy. So I'm a little... I wouldn't say a little sore. I'm having a pretty hard time sitting down on the toilet right now. (laughs) Just free falling down to the toilet. For real. I'm like grabbing onto the sides and like really lowering myself down because it hurts. But uh, yeah, the gym's opened up. I picked up a new exercise for myself. I'm swimming now. Our swim center has opened. I was very inspired by our episode with Anne Wynn, the water witch. And I was Mm. like, I'm going to go play in some water. Yes, got to get out there into the water. I I do love swimming. I'm not very good at it, but I do love it. And it's an amazing workout. So it really is. It's a full body workout. And I'm not a good swimmer either. Honestly, I was doggy paddling with a bunch of like 70 year old women having a great time. So it was wonderful. I will absolutely join like a elderly lady aqua aerobics class. I am there for Mm. it. They invited me. They were like, girl, you need to come to our aqua aerobics class. I was like, okay. I would so be there. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my God. Uh, I love it. I love it. Oh, and also thank you everybody. Yesterday night, we passed 1000 followers on our Instagram, which is a really big deal. Um, especially given the fact that we haven't actually, um, at least at this point, released these episodes yet. So all we have out is the trailer and we already have a thousand followers. So thank you everybody for your support. We love you guys. Thank you for showing up for us. And um, you guys have actually helped us out with this episode a bit as well, um, because we would like to answer some listener questions. And Britain, I believe, is the keeper of those today. So they're going to let us know. Yes. Okay. So today we're talking about our favorite spells, spell stories. But before that, we kind of want to break down what spells are, when you do them, 
maybe when you shouldn't cast spells and whatnot. So one of our first questions is, and this is general, is like, what is a spell? Mm-hmm. Interesting, because these are always the things that you have to kind of dissect a little bit. They require a little unpacking. But I think, I think essentially, if we're going to define a spell, it's a conscious expression or direction of energy for a specific intended purpose. Mm-hmm. That makes sense. Mm-hmm. Yes. And I think it has to do with, we were speaking about this a little while ago, where it's kind of like you're meeting God or, you know, we'll just say your higher power, you're meeting them halfway mm-hmm. to manifesting and creating something And I don't really like to use the word manifestation due to its (laughs) associations with new age things. (laughs) Absolutely. But that's kind of what we're doing, right? We're manifesting something into existence. And then we utilize tools and earth elements and whatnot to help facilitate that manifestation and utilizing things that carry the resonance of what it is that we're aiming to achieve. Absolutely. Absolutely. I I think that's part of meeting spirit halfway is really important. And something that, um, that we don't talk about too much is the involvement of spirit. The thing that we hear a lot about is how powerful we are and how, you know, we're the spell and all these things, but the co-creation factor with spirit or with the divine or with God or with a spirit familiar, um, is really important to this work and very central to, spell casting and spell craft as well. So I like that you bring that up. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So we're going to move into our next question because we have so much to cover y'all. So much. Okay? <laughs> so we want to make sure we have all the time. We don't want to linger too long on one question here. Does astrological or lunar timing matter in spell work? So matter, yes. Paramount, not so much. I think is a good way to do that because yes, um, timing, whether it's, it's lunar or it's astrological or the day of the week or whatever it is that we're kind of doing our timing based around can be very helpful. Um, and it, it, it does, it does matter, but it's not, it's not the end all be all. I think we were talking a little while ago about how magic being fueled by need. If we really need something that need that power that comes from that need will Um, replace whatever we've lost by not having our timing correct. So if you Mm. need it, I always say definitely go for it anyway. Right. Yeah. I think that there's like some spells and some workings that don't necessarily require specific timing, but it helps. And Mm. sometimes the spells request that you do do that. Like one of the spells that I might share today is um, based around the moon phase, but an illustration that we can use here is like, If your car breaks down, are you going to wait when Mercury is done being retrograde and like the stars have aligned (laughs) to go get (laughs) your car fixed? Like, no, you're probably going to make that phone call the day of and book an appointment and get your car looked at. So, you know, it is based on need and we don't always need to have that perfect timing. And you can also, I think Jay, you were speaking to this a little while ago as well, where you can, if you can't get the moon timing right or the day timing right, you can go by the time on a clock. Mm-hmm. Like if the if the hand is going up, magic of increase. If the hand is going down, magic of decrease. 
Absolutely. Yeah. And that's something that a lot of people don't, um, don't know about or anything like that, but you can really piggyback your magical timing off of just about anything. I mean, it can be with, you know, you might not be in the right moon phase, but you could also be in the right season. So, you know, if I'm doing fertility work and it's springtime, well, hell, just about any time is a, is a good day or a moment to do that. It doesn't mm-hmm. have to be specifically the moon or the day of the week or the clock or whatever it is. You you can kind of essentially what we're what we're doing when it comes to magical timing is we're finding something natural around us that is already heading in that direction and then just latching onto it and ha- having it carry us further than we would have gone alone. Uh, mm-hmm. And so that can be just about anything from, you know, the seasons to the time of day to, you know, astrology. Um, I, I'm not, I'm not a believer in astrological portals. Um, that's something that we're seeing these days where it's like, Oh, it's the lion's gate or like, because of this astrology, now your manifestations are all really powerful, blah, blah, blah. blah. And I'm like, Hey, uh, no, it's no, stop. <laughs> that, that, that's not something that I ever take into account or, or really have felt is legit. But I mean, Hey, again, if it works for you, it works for you. Right. So like, if you are an astrology nerd, like I'm kind of an astrology nerd, Pretty soon, Jupiter um, is going to conjunct my natal Jupiter. So I'm having my Jupiter return, which is like fireworks time. It's like something's going to expand. Some Something's going to show up. So it's like I might I could use that to do spell work around that time. But it's like a little boost, you know. And like if you are going to time things astrologically, I would do it based on your personal natal chart when the planets are aspecting your personal planets that could like you know, like if Venus is moving through your second house, you could do works of like increasing your money or like attracting money and things like that. So that can be really fun. I actually do a lot of my planning with my work and whatnot by the calendar uh, and like adding an astrology into it. Oh, wow. So that kind of leads us to our next question, which does talk a little bit about timing. But to me, this is more of like on a personal level and like mental states when shouldn't you cast a spell? When you should not cast a spell. Yeah, I, I agree with you on the, the mental state thing. Like if you are a total wreck, now might not be the time. That's when we have misfires. That's when you accidentally get a different result than what you wanted to. It's it's just everything's way more messier when you're in the heat of all your emotions or if you're just like really up in your bag. So I, I would definitely take time off around that. Also, if you are in a place where you're super exhausted or if you are going through like, you know, say you're like super hungover that day or whatever, I would say maybe not today with it because, you know, all magic will in some way or another require some personal energy. And some days, you know, you just need to just get to know the spirit of your couch a little bit more and call it witchcraft. Um, you don't, you know, some days are not the best for the spell casting, but yeah, that, mm-hmm. that would be kind of off the top of my head, my rules for that. Yeah. I remember I cast a spell once it was, um, it was a spicy spell. I was a little angry at somebody and, uh, I utilized that rage. You put your whole foot in the brujeria. Oh Yeah. <laughs> All of it to my waste. Oh no! Oh yeah. Yeah. 
So mm-hmm. yeah, certainly there are times when it's appropriate and um, maybe not the best time. Like if you're really low energy or if you're like, you know, spinning out with anxiety, maybe wait a day or two and then like kind of revisit that and just see where you're at. Yeah, it's um, okay to take those breaks for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. Slowness. It's okay. Yeah. So we do have a very specific listener question here, which I really like. Is a freezer spell done right a hex? Mm. Well, okay, so we need to unpack some things because mm-hmm. this is something we were kind of talking about. But before we, we started recording, um, there's this tendency nowadays for people to just make up new definitions for things. So um, I'm going with the old school definition of a freezer spell, which is when you... Um, put a person in the freezer in order to bind them or stop them from bothering you or doing things like that. Um, in this day and age where anything goes, someone's probably going to be like, actually it requires a bonfire to do a freezer spell. I don't know. I don't subscribe to that. <laughs> but, um, but if we're talking about, you know, putting somebody in your freezer to as like a freezer bind, if that's what we're talking about, I do not at all consider that a hex. And a lot of the times people, people think that bindings are a hex too, because they, they mess with free will and all that stuff, but it's, it's not the same thing. There, there is defending yourself by asking somebody to stop doing something. And then there's going over and punching them. So the, <laughs> the way I think of freezer spells, and this is kind of a weird story, but um, a friend of mine uh, used to work with um, kind of troubled children. And part of her training was to use what she called nonviolent restraints. And I remember one day being like, what is that? Like, how does that even work? And we're, we're working together. Uh, shout out to Kirsten Romney, if for some reason you're listening to this. Um, we're standing behind the desk at, the, at this place that we work. And I'm asking her, I'm like, like, so how does that even work? Like, what is a nonviolent restraint? I swear to God, homegirl grabs me. And first of all, I'm twice her size. She has my arms wrapped around my body. And she takes me all the way down to the floor in the most loving, sweet like tender way ever. I felt very safe and very like comforted by it, but also I could not move. Right. And so she did not hurt me in any way. And she's like, she's like, that's the point, right? It's like, it's nonviolent. It doesn't hurt them, but it does stop them from hurting you or other people. And that's how I've always kind of thought about um, binding spells, at at least how they're normally used. Like a love bind is very different. But a, a bind to stop somebody from hurting you or harming you or or trashing your name or things like that. I always think of all of those as nonviolent restraints. Like I'm not messing up anything in your life. I'm just asking you to stop. Mm-hmm. And so I, I never consider that a hex. Um, I, I think there are ways that you could do a freezer bind that would turn into a hex. But your standard, you're just putting somebody in the freezer. I, I don't think so personally. I agree with you. And I really love that illustration of nonviolent restraint. And the other thing I think of too with freezer spells is like, if you're dealing with a really hot headed person, like a person who has a very fiery temperament, you're cooling them off. Yeah, You know, you're like de-escalating um, or rather diffusing. Mm-hmm. Maybe diffusing is not the best word, but you're kind of like chilling the situation out. I don't think it's a hex either. I think it's like, just good self-defense and yeah. like protecting yourself. Cause that's mo- mostly that's what the freezer spell is for is to kind of like stop shit from being yeah. a problem. <laughs> yeah. Just putting somebody in timeout. <laughs> right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like you need to 
cool down a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> We're just going to chill for a moment. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, that is all I have on my end for listener questions. Did you have another listener question though? Yeah. Somebody wanted to know what a, uh, what would be a good charm for safe travel? Oh, right. Uh, you had a yes. good one. I liked yours. Yes. So Comfrey Route is used for safe travel work and whatnot. So mm-hmm. you can make yourself a pouch with Comfrey Root mm-hmm. and then um, add in some luck generating herbs. So I and things just to bolster your spirits and whatnot. So I would think of stuff like cinnamon. Um, you could add in a little bit of money stuff to that. Cinnamon actually does cover money luck. Um, you could add chamomile to that for a little money boost. Um, five I think finger baby, grass. Five finger grass. Yeah, because like you're going to need to be handy with your hands if you're traveling um, as well. And then dragon's blood to add like some power and oomph to it. But you could also just do, do your research and find herbs that resonate with you that would be probably be good for travel luck luck in general alligator paw that was also something that came to mind is alligator paws mm-hmm. and um anything to like i also think of money because mm-hmm. travel is make- always going to require some sort of funds right so you want to make sure your money's safe so maybe add some time to that as well or alfalfa i like that oh i'm mm-hmm. glad i'm not the only one who uses alfalfa in money spells <laughs> i love alfalfa but saint christopher Mm -hmm. yes okay yeah you gave me a gift of a saint christopher charm when i was traveling Uh and i still i keep it in my truck um but yeah i imagine you could also work with saint christopher yeah when i'm traveling i either like to carry with me a saint christopher medal or a saint christopher prayer card um one time i actually did because again it's important to be able to use kind of what's around you one time we were on a trip and the roads were way worse than we thought that they were going to be. And it wasn't a trip that we could just decide to like, maybe next weekend instead or whatever. It was like something where we had to go. Um, and so while we're in the car, I'm just looking around. I always bring just like a little kit with me with stuff. And in my car, I was able to find an old empty Altoids container, a, Chris, a St. Christopher prayer card. And I had some, uh, some black snake root, which is... Um, black cohosh and so i just put the prayer card into the altoids tin and put some of the uh the black cohosh root in which is very very protective and then i just closed it up and sealed it up in the tin and then just held it and prayed for protection and if i ever felt like we were in danger i would take it and i would shake it like a rattle Mm. to like scare away the danger it worked really well, actually. But sometimes you got to just work with whatever is around you. And it might not be super glamorous magic, but it works. So mm-hmm. whatever you got. But yeah, I definitely recommend St. Christopher and kind of to go with yours with the comfrey root. Um, wood betony is very good for protecting travelers or Ooh. people on journeys. So a little comfrey root, a little wood betony and a little, a little pouch would probably be really mm-hmm. great. And I also just remembered mugwort in the shoes. That helps. Um, So if you're doing a lot of walking or maybe you're hiking or things like that, that can also be helpful for protection. And I think it's supposed to help you with fatigue. Mm -hmm. It also makes your shoes smell better. 
<laughs> I love that good mugwort smell. It's wonderful. Mm-hmm. It's kind of that yarrowy situation. But yeah, especially mm-hmm. travel charms. I, I will put things in the shoes. I think that would be good. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's a good idea. And then also anything that you collect that, that while you're on the road that is like beautiful to you, you can also turn those into protective charms and words um, mm-hmm. as well to hang. Like I have my dashboard is a, an, an altar. Like I have all my plants in there. I have charms, feathers, like you name it. It's probably in there. As long as you're practicing vehicle safety, did you see the, there was this one thing that's been shared on the internet of somebody who glued a bunch of crystals onto like their steering wheel. Oh my God. So that if that airbag ever goes off, it's just going to turn into a claymore. So we need to be careful with that one. But, but yes, I like the dashboard altar idea. Just maybe no ritual daggers or anything too heavy. Yeah. Nothing. Yeah. Super sharp, especially on the wheel. You probably don't want to put stuff on the wheel of your car. No, that's a bad idea. That's a bad idea. (laughs) Yes. Always practice safety y'all when doing magic. Use your noodle. Alrighty. So do we want to move into talking about our favorite spells? Yes, because I want to know about your lodestone money spell because I need that maybe. Okay. So both of the spells that I'm going to share today are, I got them from somewhere else. And I have not put my own spin on the lodestone spell, but I did put my own spin on the finding a new home spell. So the 14, it's a 14 day lodestone money spell. You can find it at luckymojo.com. If you just Google 14 day money drawing spell with a lodestone, or you can just go to the show notes and you can find the link there. So what you will need for this spell is seven four inch little green altar lights, you know, like a regular candle spell, make sure they're green. Um, I imagine you could use yellow or gold as well. I've used silver and gold for this spell. You'll need one big honking lodestone, a packet of magnetic sand, some kind of money drawing oil, um, like prosperity or yeah, just like simple money drawing. You could get some um, money drawing powder or maybe make your own money drawing powder with herbs. Irish moss, seven $2 bills, and then seven silver dimes. And yes, I use silver dimes. So you can go to places like eBay. You could probably go to like a gold and silver shop if you have one in town and pick up mercury dimes. And they're made of, I believe, like 98% silver. I use those in this spell. So it's a lengthy spell. So I'm going to try and be short. (laughs) You're going to begin this spell on the new moon. You're going to work from the new moon to the full moon. And then you're going to complete the work on the full moon and kind of be like the culmination of all of this work. So what you do is you take your lodestone and you dress your lodestone as you see fit. I like to start my lodestone off with a whiskey bath and then I dress it in oil just to kind of like get it prepared and fed and woke up, woke up and I speak to it. So you place that on a tray and I use like a silver platter, like uh, something that I found at a thrift store. Like a serving platter. Yeah. And I polished it. 
really well. So it's just gleaming. It's like you really want everything to be shiny and bright. So place that in the center and then you place your candles in an arc or kind of like a half moon shape. All seven of them, you, you burn the bottom of them and stick them on your tray. Each morning, I hope I'm getting this right, each morning on the first day, you light one of the candles, you anoint a $2 bill, you place it underneath the lodestone, you sprinkle your magnetic sand on the lodestone, and you burn the candle down halfway. And then you put it out. Don't blow it out. Use your fingers and some spit. (laughs) Just so you know. (laughs) And then you do this for seven days until all the candles are half burned. You don't want them to burn down completely. And then you do it the opposite way. You do it in the evening time. And you place one dime around the lodestone is this making sense yeah so you burn them halfway down and then you go kind of in reverse and do the other half but with dimes yes so you do the same process and you can find this in much more detail over at uh, lucky mojo they have the full spell there but in short yeah this is kind of you know a synopsis of the spell so then you burn the candle down completely for seven days And by the time you've burned all the candles, placed all the $2 bills underneath the lodestone and all of the silver dimes, you will have um, the spell complete on the full moon, all the candles burned. And then you take a bit of Irish moss, you place that on the tray as well. And then you place a pinch of Irish moss, depends on the form you have it. Sometimes it's chunks of Irish moss. You put it in the four corners of the room you're doing your business in or doing your money work in. And then you place a piece of Irish moss in the center of the room, like under a rug Uh or something like that. And then the spell's complete and your lodestone is very well trained Mm -hmm. to draw money to you. Yeah. Yeah. People don't um, often remember the fact that your, your, your lodestone will learn what it is it's supposed to be bringing in. So that's why if if you're going to do this spell, I wouldn't then take your lodestone that you've used the money spell for and then use it to try and attract love because then you're going to confuse it. They like to get on kind of one frequency and just kind of head that direction. Mm-hmm. And if people don't know what magnetic sand is, uh, magnetic sand is just basically iron filings. Um, a lodestone is a type of rock that is uh, magnetic and so if you drop iron filings onto it, they'll stick to it. It, it will gather them up. Um, and it's kind of traditionally how you feed a lodestone. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So the lodestone that I have um, has a name. I continue to work it. Like this isn't, isn't just like a one-time spell that you do. You do, mm-hmm. you know, you burn the candles and place all the money down like one time, but the lodestone is then fixed and ready to work. So then it's just like daily or weekly work with the lodestone to continue to draw you money. And then you still put new money underneath the lodestone, mm-hmm. you know, just keep drawing that money um, to the lodestone and whatnot. Just make a big old pile underneath it. I yeah. wonder too, if you can get potentially get silver dimes at the bank, because you can get surprising things from there. Like um, I, I go there and I get 50 cent pieces Mm-hmm. Um, and that's how I pay for my graveyard work, um, just because they're like big and they're shiny and um, 
it, it's it's more of like a piratey sort of doubloon feel. So I, I feel more, <laughs> it feels more exciting um, to use 50 cent pieces, but you, you can get all kinds of stuff from the bank. Um, yeah, definitely check. Cause that's how I got my $2 bills uh, was I went to the bank um, and got $2 bills. Now I will say if you're doing this spell for business, um, you want to make sure that you're using business money, not your personal money. If you keep those two separate. So make sure you're using money that you got from your business for this spell. If it's for business stuff, if it's personal stuff, use your personal money. But this is more of a business oriented spell uh, and whatnot. So that is one of my favorite spells. I love that. I love that. There's another one that I do sometimes um, that's kind of similar in nature. And I like that you differentiate like where the money is coming from. Mm-hmm. And I like to do this, especially like through an ATM, just because it's it's weird if you do this in a bank. But um, what what I like to do is I like to go to the ATM, draw, you know, a, a solid bill, like a 20 out of my account. Um, and this is for like a money or a financial uncrossing. So I'll get just draw out a bill from the ATM, take it back to my car, and I'll take either like a black candle or um, like a green and black double action candle. And I'll run that candle across the bill to pick up any cross conditions to kind of like um, to, to take it off any cross conditions off of it. And then I anoint that bill with good prosperity, whatever oil that you're working with, and then redeposit it into the account to then affect the rest of the money. And even though it's just a bill that's just coming out of the ATM and back into the ATM and that physical bill is not going in that sort of energy of sending it that energy back to my account um, and taking the bad stuff off of the money that came, you know, air quotes out of my account has a similar effect in it. So that, that specificity of, of which money <laughs> is important. I like that. Yeah. That is a fantastic spell. I love that. Oh yeah. That's wonderful. It has helped me a few times for sure. Cool. Okay. So what is one of your favorite spells or was that, was that one of them? Well, I guess that's one of them. It was one that came out to the top of my head for sure that it, that, that could definitely be one of my favorite ones. One of the other ones I really like and one that I've leaned upon heavily is um, learning to do an ammonia jar properly. And there is a few ways to do this. Um, and though YouTube is just kind of a, a hellhole of misinformation, um, I do use the um, Magical Lady Duchess version. So if you are into the YouTube folks, I highly recommend her tutorial on it. It's really good. Essentially, what you do is you get a mason jar. And I, and I like to use a mason jar because I like to um, incorporate candles into most of my work and they're heat safe. Um, especially if you're going to be using something like ammonia, it's, it's important to make sure that your glass is not going to break. And remember, when you're handling ammonia, wear gloves, be very safe with it. It is nasty. It's very strong. It will burn you if it gets on you. It will kill your plants if it gets near them. Um, so just be very, very careful. Um, but essentially how an ammonia jar works you're going to get a mason jar and what the spell is used for is to turn a situation around if you need something to do a complete 180 in the opposite direction that's when you use an ammonia jar um so for instance um i have used this for clients who one time somebody messaged me that they got into some trouble with the law and their the law clerk or somebody was supposed to file it as a misdemeanor and it accidentally got filed as a felony, mm. which was way different, way different. And it went from like 
two months probation to like eight years in jail or something like that. So they messaged me. I immediately did an ammonia dart within an hour. It was turned around. They got it fixed and cleared up, which is amazing. And remember, when we do this stuff, time is of the essence. So if you are, um, you know, trying to wait for the right astrological time, don't, right? You know, use this spell now. So you take, uh, you're going to need a mason jar, um, some tape, paper, pen, ammonia, and you get your paper and you write down the situation as it is now. So using the example we just did, you would write, you know, my misdemeanor has been filed as a felony. And now they're saying that I'm going to jail for this amount of time, which is the opposite of what we normally do in Spellcraft. In Spellcraft, we normally write what it is that we want, not how it is now. But it's very important for this spell that you write it out how it is currently. Mm -hmm. Um, And then what you're going to do is you're going to take that... Um, piece of paper and you, you don't want it too big you want it you want to kind of cut it down so that it will fit inside the mason jar and you want it to kind of line the inside of the mason jar um, and i do it with the text facing inwards so you put your piece of paper in so that it's it's around the the outer edge of the mason jar and then you tape it in and that's very important you you want to secure it in there i did not do that my first time and i totally messed up the spell Um, so you're going to secure it in there. So it's just kind of like lining the inside of the jar and then you fill it the rest of the way to the top with ammonia and then you cap it real tight. Make sure it's very secure. Again, this is ammonia. Um, I also like to work these in a big bowl or a dish for, so that if it does for some reason break, it's not just going to run all over everything. Um, be really safe with this. So I take that ammonia jar and then you hold it. And you visualize your situation turning around. And as you visualize it turning around, you then take the whole jar and you flip it upside down. But you only do it once. You got to do it real good the first time. So you just flip it upside down. And then essentially you're done. I like to then burn a candle on it. Um, but again, make sure you're using heat safe things. You're being you know wise about this. Um, but it, it has worked really, really well. Um, I have known people who, you know, they were trying to buy a house and somebody else had already purchased it and they did an ammonia jar. And turns out for some reason that person didn't want it anymore and they were able to get the house. Like, you know, big things will turn around on you mm-hmm. if you use an ammonia jar. So I highly recommend getting to know that process. Yes. And I can attest to that. I remember I called you a little while ago. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I was like, a month ago or something. I'm like, JJ, help, help. <laughs> I had a, yes, I had an unexpected tax bill show up that it was a mistake. Like it was a clerical error. I did not owe the money. Um, I even double checked to see if I owed the money. And um, I did an ammonia jar spell on it and turned around within like a week. And like, I even got a response that day that was like, Hey, yes, we're processing your stuff. You probably won't owe us. Um, but then I had to wait a little while to make sure that it all went through, but this spell really works and turns situations around like, like a 180. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Never underestimate the power of a good ammonia jar spell. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Alrighty, so should I share my next favorite spell? Yes, I love these ones. So 
this has been one of my favorite spells to date. My most successful one that I have done. And I have to give all of my thanks to the late Dr. E, who was a queer root doctor um, who passed away several years ago. And he left behind a beautiful blog called Dr. E's Conjure Blog, um, Hoodoo at its Best. And he has an amazing spell um, on finding a new home. And I have used a variation of the spell. I put my own spin on it. So you can go to the show notes to find the link to the spell to go read it yourself and whatnot. Uh, so what you do with this is uh, you just get a simple seven-day white candle. You dress it. Uh, you like I like to rub my candle down with Florida water. I think he recommends using ammonia to clear away any like bad energy. And just, yeah, just to get it freshened up. And then you dress the candle. So you poke some holes in it, put a little bit of attraction oil and road opener oil. Um, I have even used home blessing oil as well. And you add pyrite, I believe pyrite. And ooh, I can't remember the other herbs that were used in it, but you had pyrite. I remember that. Oh, and lodestone. Sorry. Pyrite and lodestone. It's more mineral based. So you do that and then you draw like a picture of a house and just all the beautiful things, you know, like dress it up, draw on it, make it pretty, make it how you want. And you can show like yourself and living in the new home with your pet or your partner or whoever. You also want to write out a petition. That's the key part of this spell is writing out the petition. <laughs> so when you're writing your petition for this spell to find a new home, you go above and beyond like what you think you need. So you want a balcony, get a balcony. You want a tub that's got little hot jets in it for a jacuzzi tub, go for it. You want a gas stove, go for it. I usually ask for a window in my bathroom, wood floors, a fireplace, and a gas burning stove. <laughs> That's what I want. So you just write it out, everything that you want. You write out the rent that you're willing to pay. Do you want hands-on or hands-off landlords? Yeah, just kind of like what you want your situation to be like. Write all that down, fold it, fold up the paper, fold it towards you, slip it underneath the candle. Now, the way that uh, I added on to this spell was uh, many years ago when I was living in Portland, you know, the Portland rental market is like very cutthroat, <laughs> really hard to find a place, you know, they get snatched up very quickly. So what I did was, is I chose four different neighborhoods that I wanted to try and live in. And I went to the park that was located in each neighborhood. And I gathered, I paid for it with pennies and whiskey, a little bit of dirt from each park. And then I used that in my spell. I also laid down a map of mm -hmm. Portland and kind of used that as like the, as like a grid for the spell. So I put four candles in each corner, put the seven day candle, candle in the center, dressed the outside candles with attraction oil and then I put a trail of dirt from each neighborhood leading to the seven-day candle. 
I lit the four small candles first. I'm using like six or four inch altar candles, lit those first. And then I lit the seven day candle and let it all burn down. And in the meantime, like while that candle spell is working, you're out applying for homes, you know, putting in your rental applications or like a loan or an offer or whatever. You can do this for a home that you haven't yet found, or you can do this for a home that you have already found and submitted paperwork for. I've had it work both ways. And I have landed dream homes with this spell. And the place that I'm living at now, I did not use this spell because my ancestors were like, girl, you got to you got to get out of there. Here's a house. <laughs> <laughs> Here you go. <laughs> yep. So that is one of my favorite spells. And I highly recommend taking a look at Dr. E's blog and Dr. E's website in general for some really great information. That's a great spell. And I like the additions that you put onto it. Um, so when you do the, the kind of like the picture of the house and the petition, are those on separate paste, pieces of paper or are they on like one side or the other, the same paper? Great question. I think you might be able to do it both ways. So what I did was I drew a house and I glued it to the outside of the seven day candle. Oh, I like that. Yeah, I love taking seven day candles and making my own labels for them to really personalize them. But you could, I imagine, draw one on one side, you could draw the house picture. And then on the other side, write your petition and then glue that to the candle. Mm -hmm. Or you could just draw the house picture, stick it to the candle, and then write the petition and put that underneath the candle. Yeah, I like that. I like that. That's mm -hmm. a good spell. Mm -hmm. I've been looking for something different for finding a home because, you know, classically, a lot of us have used the St. Joseph um, house spell where you take his statue and you bury it upside down in your yard. And it's either to sell your home or to buy a new home. They do it kind of both ways. But a lot of people don't realize that that also kind of crosses over into a territory known as saint punishing, where we kind of abuse the saints to get what we want from them. So it's something that happens a lot, um, especially in things like Italian culture. Um, if you ask a saint for something and they're not giving it to you, then you'll um, turn their picture upside down or you'll like stick them in the back of a junk drawer or like some people will even like get glasses of water and put their saints in um, upside down in it until they give them what they want. What? But also like the people who come from these cultures though are really hardcore. So it's really common for people who are like of, you know, Italian communities and whatnot. I've heard a story from several people who've been like, yeah, like my Nona really liked to um, take a cigarette and burn the eyes out of like this specific saint on a prayer card when they Ooh. weren't doing what they wanted. And then later in life, my Nona went blind and she was like, eh, I deserve it. And I'm like, that's hardcore. <laughs> Wow. Like as long as you're ready for that revenge. Mm -hmm. yeah. um, uh, well, yeah. we also have some exciting stories to tell you guys about some of the favorite spells that we've ever worked. I think I'm going to go first because Britain's is going to be a finale. I feel I'm very excited <laughs> about it. Um, this is a story that she has not told me before that I have actually been wanting to hear since we first started this podcast. So I'm very I'm very glad that today is the day. Mm -hmm. My story kind of sucks because I can't remember what we actually did in it. Um, so this was 
A while ago, back in my hometown, I had formed a small coven with two other girls that I had met um, in my major. So this is back when I was going to college at EOU. And we, um, it was with my friend Jen, and she had a terribly abusive ex who was also like a cop. It, it was it was a bad deal um, that she was in. And she had all these little kids and she was pretty young herself. And so she asked us to come over and help her do a spell to protect their home, uh, which we did. I wish I could remember what, what, what exactly we did, but I'm not sure. But the effect is kind of um, a great story because it shows that magic doesn't always work um, in the way we might expect it or the way that it might in TV stuff. Because when sometimes when people, especially when they're new, do things like, oh, well, I've you know, put a protection on my home, they're expecting like a, a force field to like, you know, blast an intruder away or something, but it doesn't always work like that. Mm-hmm. So we had, we had done the protection spell and, and she had kind of let us know, like, it seems to be working, you know, whenever her ex was coming to pick up the children or whatever, he would like park way across the street suddenly, which was like new for him. And he'd like wait over there instead. So we're like, okay, cool. It seems to be working. Then one day she comes home and it's pretty late at night. And she goes up to her front door and she's like, "Uh oh, like something, something looks wrong here. Like it looks like somebody had tried to break into her home. Like the, the door was like really fucked up. And so she just calls the police immediately. They come and they show up and they're, they're looking at it and they're going over everything. And this police officer comes over to her and they're like, ma'am, we don't know what to tell you. They're like, we have never seen anything like this. They're like, it looks at first, like the intruder tried to pick the lock and the lock broke in the locked position. Then it looked like he tried to kick it down because it was like covered in mud, like these big muddy boot prints. Mm-hmm. Like they tried to kick the door down and it wouldn't give. And then around the edges, there was marks that looked like he had gone back or I guess she, I guess, could have been trying to break into it, whatever. Um, but it looks like the intruder then went back to the car or something and got like a pry bar or a crowbar to try and get the door open and it wouldn't budge. There was like all these nasty marks around the edges from that. Just the door would not give in at all. And they were like, we have never seen anything like this. They're like, they're like, your house is great, but your door is not that, (laughs) not that secure itself. This is not a super sturdy door. They should have been able to get in. Yeah. And they're like, but they didn't. So you got really lucky this time, ma'am. Like have a good night. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> she's immediately calling me and, and this other girl that we did it with but yeah that's one of my most favorite stories because sometimes magic works unexpectedly you know it uh, does so yeah i love that story it's one of my favorites mm, yeah that sounds powerful couldn't get that door yeah okay i'm so excited are you ready for my story yes <laughs> Okay, so y'all, I sold my soul to the devil once. Yay! And this is how I did it. So I decided to become a better card and bone reader. And I read that one of the best ways that you can do this is by going to the crossroads and petitioning the spirit of the crossroads to um, make you better at a certain skill. And uh, if you read uh, history, um, The name of the guy is escaping me. He's a famous blues singer. I feel really embarrassed that I cannot. Robert Johnson. 
Um, Robert Johnson, American guitarist. Uh, Robert Leroy Johnson. Mm-hmm. I think Robert Johnson, yes. So he did this as well. He went to the crossroads and played his guitar to be a you know, good blues singer. Double shows up, has him sign his book and all that. So I was really in... This is many, many years ago. This is when I was a baby, baby witch. And so what I decided to do after compiling all this research on how folks, you know, folks would do it, um, you know, every Thursday uh, at dusk or like every Sunday before dawn or every day um, at midnight. So there are many different ways that you can do this. And I chose to do this nine Sundays in a row um, before dawn. So I chose a crossroad to do this work at. And the crossroad that I chose was very magical. It had been an old railroad track that they converted into a pedestrian, um, like biking and thoroughfare. And it intersected with a, a road that went through a cemetery. And on two sides of this crossroad were a cemetery. The other side had bramble, bramble thickets where a family of black rabbits lived. Don't know how the black rabbits got there, but I was like, okay, this is the spot. Like, this is it. (laughs) Yeah, it was powerful. So what I did was, was every Sunday before dawn, I would wake up around 3 a.m. And this was in the fall. So it was kind of like the liminal period of time anyway. So it was already really dark. Um, In the Pacific Northwest, it gets dark very early. We'll only have like seven hours, six or seven hours of sunlight during the fall and winter. So I'd wake up very early and I would take a bath before I would head to the crossroads. So I would take a bath with rue, hyssop, basil, rosemary, and lavender to cleanse myself before I head out. And I'd say my prayers and whatnot, because it's pretty scary. You know, you're walking to a crossroads at night down a dark path and you're going to hang out at the crossroads for a little while in the dark. So I would also bring with me three pennies, a pinch of tobacco, whiskey, and like a sweet treat, like a donut or a cookie. And I would go to the crossroads with also carrying with me my cards and my bones. And I would leave the three pennies in the center of the crossroad, pour out a little whiskey, leave a pinch of tobacco, and I would set the treat next to me. And the reason I did that was for two reasons. One, if I encountered a stray animal that was acting aggressive, I could potentially throw the treat and get them away from me. Um, And then two, it was also like an offering as well. Um, So it had like a dual use. Usually it ended up as an offering. Um, So I would get to the crossroads. I'd sit there and it was perfectly situated right at the corner of the crossroads, a large boulder. So I would sit on the boulder and I'd start throwing my cards on the ground, you know, just like laying out a spread. And initially I went to the crossroads to actually become a good tarot reader. And it was about three trips in that I decided to bring my bones with me. Mm-hmm. And what's interesting is that, well, this is kind of like wrapping it up and heading towards the end of the story. But what's interesting is that I actually became a good card and bone reader 
So I read in a unique way, and this happened after the crossroads, right? I read in a unique way where I throw bones on top of tarot cards. I didn't even have that in my mind at the time. Um, I, I just brought both of them because I was like, well, maybe I'll end up good at one of these. <laughs> you know what I mean? So I did this for, for nine Sundays and weird shit happened. So one, I wouldn't, there was black rabbits just hopping around me like everywhere. And they say that a sign that, that the work is working and that you're being noticed by the spirit of the crossroads is that black animals or black creatures will show up. And so there were the black rabbits that were already present one morning while I was sitting there. Oh man, this, it spooked the shit out of me. I was just sitting there and off in the distance, I see a shadow coming at me and it's like zigzagging back and forth and it's getting closer and closer and it's misty. So I couldn't really see very well. And out of the shadows comes this giant black dog, no collar, no nothing, no owner. And the dog just walks up to me and looks at me and I like had my treat in my hand. I was like, okay, <laughs> which way is this going to go? And I threw it at him and he munched it and just kind of just stood there and stared at me late about five minutes after like after him hanging out around me, the owner finally showed up and the owner was like, what you doing? And I'm like, I'm meditating. I didn't tell Pete. You don't tell Pete. <laughs> right? So uh, whenever people would show, come around me or walk by me, I would kind of gather up my things and hide them. I didn't really, you know, want people to know what I was doing. But the dog's name was Bite Me. <gasps> oh, my God. <laughs> but it was B-Y-T-E, as in... Like a know, tarot bite. Yeah, like a, a bite in that way. So I thought that was really cute. I also thought it was cheeky because I was like, okay, spirit's moving here. Mm -hmm. Spirits like bite me. <laughs> yeah. I would have I mean, shit myself sitting at the crossroads, have a giant black dog come like running at you out of the distance. Like, nah. yes. Yeah, it's pretty darn scary. So, and I don't know if it was just like my Aries bravery or whatnot, and I'm not even tooting my own horn. I don't know how I did this because it was a pretty scary experience. A few Sundays later, while, you know, doing my routine, I'm sitting there, I'm throwing down cards and throwing my bones and like calling to the spirit of the crossroads, a black Cadillac pulls up, you know, again, it's the Pacific Northwest, it's pitch black, it's misty, it's foggy. And this black, I mean, beautiful black Cadillac just pulls up completely tinted mirror, like windows and everything can't see a thing. The car sits there for like 10 minutes. I'm like, oh my gosh. The spirit <laughs> of the crossroads has shown up in a black Cadillac. Help me, Jesus. Help me, Jesus. Oh, God. I know, and I sat there and I was like, okay, what do I do? I just sat there. Mm -hmm. I just sat there and I was clutching my bones and clutching my tarot cards, you know, and just like, I really hope that they don't snatch my spirit and I go burn in hell forever. And then on the final night, the final night of this crossroads, right? I 
went to the crossroads. I had all of my things, my three pennies, my tobacco, my whiskey, and my sweet treat. And halfway through walking to the crossroads, a big storm rolled in. And it's pouring rain and the wind is howling and I'm wearing my rain jacket, but I'm like, I am just soaked. And I go and I sit, my tarot cards are still warped from that storm. So I sat in the rain and I just threw my bones and I threw my cards and I was kind of pissed. And I was like, this better fucking work. (laughs) And that's where I will leave the rest of this story to your imagination. But I will say, the Black Rider did show up. And Jesus left the chat. <laughs> oh, God. And I am, I'll toot my horn. I'm a pretty darn good tarot, uh, tarot reader and bone reader. And I do this unique, after that whole experience, I combined the two, tarot and bones. And I read really well when I combine the two. Like, it's, I've, I've given some life-changing readings for folks. Um, I don't tend to toot my own horn. But in this case, I feel like you should, because you are a very good tarot reader and bone reader. I have, I have seen it in action. Also, I earned it. Mm -hmm. Okay. You earned it. Yes. (laughs) I've been approached by giant dogs in the night and had a Cadillac, a black Cadillac sit in who knows what was going on in there. Right? I don't know. See, I think that the story really exemplifies a lot of really important things about witchcraft. And the first one is it required effort. You had to get up at 3 a.m., take a bath, walk out to the crossroads and sit there in probably hella cold weather. Were you on the west side at this point? or? Yeah, this was um, in Gresham, Oregon, when I did this. Oh, yeah, no, that ain't safe at all. Um, Yeah, yeah, and it's cool. And how many black Cadillacs are rolling around Gresham? Jesus. Um, So, yeah, it requires effort. There's this, for some reason, this weird delusion that people have that if you think that witchcraft requires effort, you're terrible. But it's true. Like, you have to work for it. You have to earn these things. And you really did earn it. And on top of that, too, spirit challenged you during this to see if you were worthy spirit tried to scare you Mm -hmm. away and you stayed and that's important too because again people think that we're supposed to be comfortable 100 of the time no like go out there in the rain right so you you have the dog you have the cadillac which of course are very kind of spooky unsettling things yet you kept returning and on the last one just pouring rain, which normally people would have turned around and gone home Mm -hmm. and not gone through with it. Spirit will challenge us to make sure that we are worthy of receiving what it is that we're asking for. And so that's why it's important to be okay with, uh, you know, getting uncomfortable, doing the hard work because the rewards are huge. You know, that sacrifice of getting up every Sunday you know, and that's like the last day I want to get up really early. <laughs> right. Uh, that's an amazing story. And I think God, that just needs to be told everywhere. Cause I think it really just exemplifies a lot of important things about this work. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yes. 
like you said earlier, like it, this is the kind of when we talk about doing the work, which I know is like a catchphrase in like the new age community and like the self-help community and whatnot, that is doing the work. Yeah. Is like waking up at 3 a.m. and doing the thing. Uh, yeah, it was not easy. It was hard. And certainly, yeah, I mean, I'm a morning person, but 3 a.m. is pushing it. Yeah, like, yeah, you, like, if you want big things, you are going to have to earn them, work for them, things like that. Like, uh, I think that idea is getting lost very much in modern witchcraft. And I think it's really, um, I think it's really important to talk about. Thank you for sharing that with us. Of course, I've, I've been waiting for the moment to share the story. And, and today happened to be the day. So that's how Britain sold her soul to the devil. Ah, yay. That's perfect. That's absolutely perfect. And I think is the note to end on. So yeah, get out there, y'all sell your soul. Don't let spirit scare you away. And uh, put in the work out there, everybody. Yeah. AKA do witchcraft. Do it and make it gay. And make it gay. Until next time, y'all, be well. Bye. Support for this podcast comes from our listeners. If you would like to support Invoking Witchcraft with a one-time donation, please go to invokingwitchcraft.com backslash donate. Or if you'd like to become a premium listener, join the coven at invokingwitchcraft.com backslash coven. There you'll get access to our exclusive Facebook group for discussion and connection, as well as access to occasional workshops. We hope to see you there.